You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. All right. This is Menovation. We are on episode 62. Welcome. We are doing an interesting episode today. I brought some Vaseline and <laughs> and some <laughs> and some uh what is it, tweezers to pull the shards of glass out of my rear end after this is done. Mm. <laughs> so today my wife Amy is interviewing me. Uh so yeah. Got my seatbelt strapped on. Let's do this. <laughs> the only thing he has strapped on, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Poor John. <Nice. laughs> which is crazy. Okay, so we have some questions that okay. we're going to bust out to you. John had this amazing idea of me interviewing you, which was quite funny. I'm like, I don't know what you're getting out of this, but okay. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. Nice. <laughs> okay, so a few questions that we want to hit on this episode. Still sticking with the amazing theme of innovation, um, just keeping it real in the life of men and dads and fathers and men in general. So, babe, we're going to jump into the dad conversation to say, what are some of the things that you've learned from men in your life about being the dad that you are? From men in my life, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, not a ton, to be honest. <laughs> Keep <laughs> uh, it real, man. Actually, I learned more from my uncles uh, than I did from my dad, I think. Which uh, uncles? Of course, I'm going to ask. Almost all of them. I lived with two uncles over the past few years growing up. When you guys came to the U.S.? Yeah, when I came to the U.S. And yeah. so both of them... Uh, John, John Kuti, and uh, Monsi uncle. Can't remember his English name. I don't know. So yeah, they were they were really solid, uh, hardworking people. I wish I had learned a lot more from uh, Uncle John. I'm gonna say Uncle John because no one's gonna remember John Kuti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he was he was incredible. But from um, being a dad, like, what did you learn from the men in your life on being a dad? Not just like amazing, because mm. I know that Jonah Kuti Uncle was like an incredible yeah. entrepreneur that right. you loved. And then I know things about Muncie Uncle that you loved. Right. But the question is more so like, where did you pull your wisdom and your... Not a ton from anybody, like honestly. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as our first daughter came into the world, where would you say your ability to be a dad or just information you pulled from came from? Just automatic. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else in my life that I would have learned that from. My grandfather was pretty awesome as a grandfather. Yeah. Both of them were. Uh, but I never learned any parenting skills from any of them. So, you have some great stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm knowing, knowing the stories of your dad growing up, I'm mm -hmm. kind of thankful that <laughs> you didn't pull too much from those. Yeah. He's, we should say well, dad's a great dad. my lessons from my dad were to not be like my dad. 
it was honestly mostly all automatic. But I just had to figure it out, learn, learn as mm-hmm. I go. Do you, would you say that you basically took the example you were given growing up and just said, everything of this, I'll do the opposite of? That's, yeah, for the most part, uh, in terms of parenting, uh, I mean, I learned uh, stuff from my grand, bunch of stuff from my grandparents, my grandfathers, uh, about integrity. And actually, I, I learned that from my dad, too, about integrity and uh, keeping your word um, and not owing anyone anything. Uh, all of that, but none of that was parenting related. Yeah. So I learned some character stuff from my grandparents and my parents, but not really parenting. So who do you think has had the biggest influence then, I would say, in the past 10 years? So that would be from Salt Lake. Or even if since we've been married, if someone, or since the kids have come around, someone outside of your family even, or um, a personality or anything. Is there anybody or any one or any organization that's like, pushed you to be a better dad church, or giving the you church some definitely guidance. uh really helps uh in terms of guiding men to be better dads uh the church that we now attend particularly did a really good job with that um looking at some of the folks that we've known over the past 10 years i would say eric contreras that we interviewed mm-hmm. uh phenomenal dad uh, Ava Call, who's on the show, phenomenal dad. John is is a is a great dad. So a few folks from from church have been. They really raised helpful. the bar, I think, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely raised the bar. Those guys. Oh man, Eric! Yeah, Eric's just phenomenal. Really good guy. Really good dad. Which you wouldn't see. It's not that you wouldn't see it coming, but you wouldn't see it coming. And this is like he doesn't sing his own praises and he doesn't. No, he never does. Like, yeah. I think you automatically think of someone who talks about being a dad all the time or talks about parenting right. or these things that you should do. You think of those types of people that have influenced you, but Eric's not that. He just walks no. the walk. Right. And you kind of go, what are you doing? Yeah. That's incredible. He's like, he's really good about teaching his kids, not just values, but life skills and and modeling it not just saying it or teaching them the theories behind parenting but actually modeling it so that's that's really awesome and Abe as well I would say because I mean you could pull from Abe on this one but not so much Eric but my question off of this is um, what's a major lesson that you've learned Mm -hmm. in parenting daughters what do you think is probably the biggest like wake up call or the biggest um, character issue, I would say, that you feel like you've had to like step up in or step into Mm. or whatnot in parenting daughters versus just being a dad. Like what separates... Be careful about what you say because I'm always like, I have no filters. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, and I'm very sarcastic as well, both the, the Indian side and the New York side. Yeah. Of me. Uh <laughs> very sarcastic. And so like I could I could very easily push buttons and mm. say things that are abrasive. Mm-hmm. Uh and trying to catch myself to not do that around the girls is has been hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially as our girls are getting older and they've starting to pick up on like as they're getting older right. and we've had the talk 
Um, and we have like, you know, obviously the puberty talks and all the talks mm-hmm. that you have as kids get older as they do. Um, and the talks come along that you need to have as they get older. Um, but I think the funniest has been knowing that our kids understand certain things that we say now um, that we could get away with before. Now we can't really get away with because right. our kids know the word sex now. Yep. They know what that entails. Um, and they, yeah, I mean, let's, I just put it out there. Like what cracks me up now is that um, our daughters know that testicles are called balls. <laughs> And like, <laughs> I don't know if it May catches as well me, teach them that in it our catches family. me like <laughs> off guard every time because now that they know that, like they throw little jokes out there and I'm like, I don't know if I'm disturbed or if I'm like kind of proud that they were like, Abby said something the other day and she was, just, I don't even know, but it was definitely like, um, I don't know. It was a joke of something, but she turned it into a joke and mm-hmm. she was like, She's like, uh, yeah, something about something about his balls, but didn't say his. It was in some joke anyway. I knew exactly what she was. She's like, mom, this could mean this or that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my They're gosh. getting double entendres. Oh, totally. Or um, when we went camping and I won't name names, but who we were camping with, one of the one of the guys around the campfire was um, we were roasting hot dogs and said to the other here you can roast my wiener and both of our children's ears perked up and they looked at me because ben wasn't around the fire and they looked at me like yeah and then immediately that person was like excuse me you could have told me that your children understand like slang i'm like i'm sorry it's new it's a new thing like Thomas and it just, well, and to. it just, yeah, and it just comes up in random things right. where Tori's like, "Why?" Yeah. Anyway, I remember she was saying like, "Mom, why do they call them wieners?" And meaning hot dogs, because um, on the package it said, I guess Oscar Mayer mm-hmm. wiener or something. I don't know. Um, and yeah, it just went from there. So it's like random how this information is being downloaded to our children, but <laughs> it's happening. And I guess I should put the disclaimer out there, it's not necessarily their father who is sharing no. this information. <laughs> no. Although I, I'm well-versed in it. <laughs> well-versed, but it appears to come more frequently from their mother explaining things to them in questions. Yep. Um, would you, having two daughters now, do you think you would rather have had two sons, do you think? No. I mean, it would have been cool to have at least one son. Uh, I don't know to, if I could have handled that, but yeah, yeah, just to see the differences <laughs> in raising the two different genders. Yeah, uh, but it's awesome having two daughters. They're really cool. Yeah, they're great. Really fun. I won't argue with you. They are. They're great. Yeah, they are good, and you're a good dad. Um, I will say that Ben is incredible at um parenting daughters. Like, there's only a few times where I guess as they've gotten a little bit older, I've been like. I, I just remember having one conversation where I was like, they need to see the gentle side of you. Mm-hmm. Like, like, of course, moms are by nature gentle right. and nourishing and caring. But I'm like, they need to, as much as they need to see the firm side of mm-hmm. me, they also need to see the gentle side of and you. And those reminders are, are helpful because it doesn't come <laughs> yeah. naturally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, ask them how they're doing before you mm-hmm. ream them for being outside playing. Right. Barefoot. And now they have a cold. <laughs> Ask them, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you don't feel good. Remember when I said to put your shoes on and not play outside <laughs> right. in the cold? 
might have had a little something to do with it. Yeah. Um, but I would say one reminder, and that's impressive. You've you've done a really good job. You've picked up. Yeah. You're great. They love you. And <laughs> what's really funny is that our our oldest is really techie minded. She's right. always just loved all things techie. And to see her and Ben <laughs> like meet on that playing level where today he like comes into the house and he's like, Hey, the latest iOS is that is yeah. saying that right? Okay, the latest <laughs> iOS is out. Um, Abby, uh, the the latest iOS is out, All and right. she's like, "Oh, really? Oh, I don't know." And like gets her iPad and is like checking. She's like, "Oh, you're right." I was impressed oh, that she started reading about what yeah new things were introduced. That was yeah, cool. and then she, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm sorry, come again?" Because I have an iPhone, so right. I immediately open mine up and I see like this massive, teeny tiny print of changes that they've made. And I was like, yeah, I'm not reading that. And Abby goes, oh, I'm going to read it. And then yeah. starts to download it to me. Mom, so you can do this. And it, and is just absorbed right. and loving all of it. But the fact that you could come up and she's 12 and he's like, hey, the latest iOS is out if you guys want to update. Da, da, da. And she just loves that techie stuff. And I know it just makes me laugh because. It's cool that I can relate to the things that they do enjoy. Like Abby loves art and techie stuff and I can do that like if she was into I don't know gardening or <laughs> <laughs> or pottery or something I'd be like I have uh, good luck I have no idea <laughs> basket weaving go, or something go like to that your mother <laughs> uh, and Tori's good with, with like athletic stuff and, and so yeah, I can relate she to loves, that she yeah. loves a good challenge yeah. like today just today Ben had her doing pull-ups on the pull-up bar that hangs over and dips and dips over <laughs> well the pull-up bar yeah which hangs over our door frame to our bathroom right. um and her all of a sudden mom count me off see if i can hold it for 10 seconds <laughs> hold the pull-up i was like oh my gosh and then the funny thing for me is i'm like Jeez. later her arms are going to be sore her abs are going to be sore okay, and she's not going to go to dad and tell dad <laughs> you know mom, i'm so sore uh, she's going to come whining to me about it i'm like well this is what i told you <laughs> but that's I love that partnership we have in parenting them and I think it plays out really well at least I'm biased yeah. though I'm biased we have good kids yeah but I love it when they come to you and like I love because I feel like they went through the season where they both wanted mom all the time when mm -hmm. they were younger our girls are only 13 months apart so they're almost like twins in a sense right but I feel like there was that season where it was just like, mom, 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 mom. Everything was mom. And so I love now when you're going to go somewhere, like where you were leaving, mm -hmm. we were having to go somewhere in separate cars the other day. And Ab's like, no, I totally want to ride with dad. Yeah, that was and, fun. Yeah, and then she, this is, well, the and she said the, again a few weeks ago, she's like, no, I want to ride with dad because we just we just sit and crack jokes <laughs> right. or something like that. She said, <laughs> yeah. she's like, no, we just sit and crack jokes. I'm like, oh my gosh, like. We they were talking so about much of modern pop music. We had like some random modern top <laughs> pop playlist from uh, Spotify on. And we're listening to just all the songs. And I'm like, man, this is crap. <laughs> and she, she actually agreed. <laughs> it's crazy to have kids getting big. Yeah. Guys. We're in this. We're in that. Oh, my gosh. Our kids are. It was hard to go from toddlers to kids. And then now we've been in the kid zone for a bit. And now we're going from kid to tween. Right. It's cool that we're, I'm teaching them reggae now. That's, that's pretty. I know. They still roll their eyes. They still roll their eyes. They're like, mom, dad plays this music in the car. 
Uh, reggae still got them. You haven't got them on like screamo yet. No. Or no, it took me a while to metal. actually appreciate screamo. Yeah. This is I'll never forget. They're like, Mom, Dad was in the car, and it was like I guess when some of their friends came home and you drove. They're like, he had the weirdest music playing in the car, Mom. <laughs> like our friends were there. <laughs> Like, that's your dad. You just got to own it. <laughs> yep. It's my car, my music. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the next question because I would love to hear this one. What's some advice that you would give to your younger self? I would I would actually narrow it down and say what's some advice you would give to, like, your teenage college self. I think because you could go smaller than that, but let's Have go. fun. Because uh, I was pretty uptight and trying to fit into the religious mold and the cultural mold. And I just, really? yeah. I, I'm I like, mean, I guess because I know the side of you where you rebelled. Like, I, I did, but even through like the rebellion, like, I, I wanted to do what was right for the family, for the church, and all that stuff. And so, uh, I didn't have as much fun as, as I could have. Like, I could have traveled more, more than mm. I already did. I mean, as your wife tries to push you now in your 40s to yeah, travel? Yeah, no, now I'm, I'm, yeah, I just want to stay home. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, now. Uh, yeah, uh, I should have had a lot more fun. I uh, should have actually learned entrepreneurial skills. I, I never picked that up. Uh, I regret not doing that. Do you feel like your culture has a bit to do with it, though? No, Indians are entrepreneurial. Well, entrepreneurial, but like, <clears throat> I think, too, there is, I feel like more so than entrepreneurial, I feel like Indians are very much like set your mind on something and stick yeah. to it. Yeah. Like, a, right. there's good sides and bad sides to that, right. right? Like we talked about before, we've chatted about how there's the good side of staying in the same job for mm -hmm. X amount of years. But then there's the where you get so comfortable that you don't even push yourself to think of what else you could be doing right. outside of it. Right. Um, because there's that honor and integrity of saying, I've been in this place for this right. long, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, because I feel like that's what it gets set up. Uh, I feel like Indian parents, I mean, I can't say just Indian parents. <laughs> I would say normal parents, you know, I grew up like in a completely different mm -hmm. family atmosphere and setting. So I didn't really have anybody pushing me to, to be this incredible, right. like, I don't know, dream big. You could be a business owner. You can, mm -hmm. there was never any of that in my family because yeah. it just wasn't an option. Nobody had ever done anything yeah. like that. But I feel like Indians have a really good thing of like, hey, get the best grades. Hey, push in, be the best that you can be in your area. Right. Like just put your, basically set your face Fresh like, set your face like Flint and <sighs> don't move from it, you know? Right. portion of Indian culture. So I don't think that, but you do have cousins who branched out into the entrepreneurial world big time. So what do you think is the difference between them and you? Their parents were a lot more adventurous and encouraged them to go into that. Frank, for example. Yeah. Yeah. His parents were very supportive of, of that. And like, what about your folks? What did they encourage you more to do? Like, what were their words growing up as far as, like, your studies and occupation and what you do? and They just wanted me to stay out of trouble. 
<laughs> Which is why I said, I don't know exactly. He's like, oh, I tried to fit in. I'm like, really, you did? Because all those stories I heard of was him pushing back against the system. Like the more that they pushed him to like fit in and yield right. to culture and yield to things. I had to work really up. hard to stay out of trouble because trouble came easy for me. <laughs> mm. So I had to focus really hard to not get in trouble. And so I tried really hard to please the parents and to please the church. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I wish I had just not worried about it as much and just been myself and had fun, learned. Uh, I wish I had picked up some like cra like skills, uh, like carpentry or like, you know, Picked up some craft. Was there a chance to pick up carpentry skills in the Bronx, though? No, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> carpentry. Like, carpentry would have been fun. Like, mm. mechanics would have been fun. Like, fixing cars. Um, yeah, just any skill. Do you think, I feel like knowing your mom, obviously, now, I feel like your mom, had you said, I want to learn how to work on cars, I feel like your mom would have been all about that. She would have, but I, yeah, I just didn't have anyone to learn from. Did you ever have those ideas? Like, I would like to learn this. Did you have any of the same ideas that, let's say, Frank had? No. No. Just like I didn't. I wasn't even thinking at that level. So, yeah. So for you, it was always like college, IT. Right. Yeah, for me, well, it was pick, all like. <laughs> pick one of the top five <laughs> Indians. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What's What was prescribed for me? I'm like, Yeah. Do you think you chose the IT world because you were trying to fit in and trying to make your parents no, proud? No, I actually enjoyed computers. Um, I got into computers. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember getting my first computer. I had to beg to get my first computer. But once I did, like I really enjoyed playing with it, learning it, working on DOS. Working Would you say on... this is like Abby a lot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is like, which is why now, like when they ask for technology, I'm all about it. I'm like, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you're just describing. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Abby right now. Like yeah. she just, mom, can I download this app and it'll be like some what's the latest Stitch, Zip or something? I don't know. Where she mm -hmm. edits videos and creates videos. Oh, yeah. And, um. <clears throat> yeah, and just loves it. Um. But when you were talking, I was just thinking. I remember. I feel like. You can correct me if I'm wrong, a pivotal point in mm -hmm. you um, branching out and maybe being who you were created to be mm -hmm. um, versus who you were being asked to be was when you graduated college and you wanted to join the military. Yes. Right. Because I know you and I know how passionate you are about mm -hmm. our country, um, the military, your respect for the military, right. um, all those things. And you had cousins who joined, but... That was after the fact. That you was needed. afterwards. Like I, oh totally. Yeah, I actually had a passion for the military for a long time. I don't know where I got it from. Uh, well, your dad served well, my, in the Indian my military. My dad was in the RAF. Uh, mm -hmm. My grandfather was in the RAF. Uh, but it wasn't like they had some great military stories to share and like that. I didn't yeah. hear a ton of military stories. I heard more military stories from my grandfather. Uh, than I did for my dad. Yeah. So they never really pushed me into the military. They never really 
made the military sound very appealing. So I don't know where I got the desire to go to the military from. It was just something that that I had knowing the history of the country, learning the history of the country and wanting to serve in the military, uh, particularly in the Marines. And uh, like that was just like I had a passion for the Marines mm. and I wanted to go. And, and I went <laughs> I went and filled out the forums. I did the physicals. I I did all of it, signed all the paperwork. The only thing that was left was for my parents to sign the paperwork because I was 17 at that time. Uh, my dad, being that he was from the mil from the military and had military background, was fine with it. Uh, but my mom, on the other hand, had wanted nothing to do with it, and so she refused to sign. And so that was the end of my military attempts, because mm -hmm. then I started college and how it is with with Indians and setting your mind to do something and complete it. So mm -hmm. I decided I was just going to complete the. Uh, my education and not break so, right. break out and just yeah. go do it the following year yeah like I'm one that if I start something I want to finish it like I'm not I'm not about do you think that your desire it. for the military then was not quite as strong that you could give it, it up was so easily very, it was strong but once I started college I wasn't gonna like give it up after my freshman year because yeah like I just started college mm -hmm. and I was just getting into the flow of things. I wasn't going to give it up and, and go. I mean, I could have likely done ROTC while I was in college. Yeah. But I felt like I wasn't smart enough to like get college without working really hard to to, to learn it. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up focusing on college. <laughs> and making yeah. sure you passed and yeah. got your money's worth. Yep. And never joining the military. Never joining the military. But I have so much respect for the Marines and all mm -hmm. of our military. So, yeah. Yeah. And then all your cousins went after that. Yeah. My, so you one of my cousins might have bled went, over into that a little bit. <laughs> yep. One of my cousins went to the Army. Um, he was military police. Another one was in the Navy. Another one was in the Marines. Mm hmm So, yeah. Still got a few in there. Yeah. And I, on the other hand, try to enroll, try to enlist because my family's like all military as well. And because I had like three bouts with asthma in high school, I tried when I was like 22 to join. I was, mm. I was actually in my first year of college. And during my freshman year of college, I was like, because I took a few years off. I was like, people do the math. They'll be like, why are you a 22-year-old freshman? I took a few years off and did an internship. <laughs> I interned for two years. Um, with a youth ministry. This was a cult. Oh my gosh. I will cut you. <laughs> if you need to pick glass, I will cut the glass right now. If you call it a cult, I will cut you again. Um, so I interned for two years, then went to college. So my freshman year, I tried to enlist, even though my grandfather told me not to. I was brought up by my grandparents. Um, so I told my grandpa I was going to do it. And he's 26 years in the right. army. My dad was in the army. My dad's brother, my uncle Dave, was in the Marines retired mm -hmm. and then went enlisted again into the Navy and spent time in the Navy. I had a cousin in the I Navy. I love that man so much. I know. <laughs> and then I had a cousin who went in the Navy and so forth and so on. So I wanted, I wanted to do it. And because I had three bouts with asthma, one year of in, in high school, they wouldn't even take me. The guy was like, no, 
Why did you tell them? Like, but I've, I'm like, I'm clear. I haven't had an issue in over 10 years. Like this was wow. when I was, yeah, so maybe I was 14 and it was almost 10 years. I was like, mm. it's, oh, it's been like eight years and I haven't had a single issue. I run at, at the college I went to, we actually, um, or Roberts University, shout out, woo woo. Um, you actually have to physically work out. Like it's mm-hmm. part of your grading to graduate and so forth and so on. Um, I was like, I run all the time. I bike like eight miles. Mm-hmm. I run three miles a day. Like I have no asthma issues whatsoever. And the recruiter was just like, no, we're good. I'm like, you're good. 9-11 just happened, but you're good. Okay, sweet. Perfect. <laughs> Literally, this right. was probably 2002, mm-hmm. 2003 when I was trying to enlist. And they were like, yeah, we're good. I'm like, wow. Okay. Uh, uh- I feel okay. like if you were a dude, they would have been like, all right, sure, let's go. All right, bring yeah. it. Show me what you got. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I was I was probably at my best physically, and they still, just because I had checkmarked that I had had asthma mm-hmm. issues before. They're like, do you use an inhaler? No. Do you have breathing? Nothing. I have no issues whatsoever. I have no problems right. with asthma. Um, They're like, yeah, no, we're good. What the... So okay. funny because when I applied for the Marines, I was actually not that physically fit, but I was able to do the pull-ups and push-ups and stuff that they wanted me to do. Uh, I actually got to my peak of fitness in college. So through college, I used to work out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was funny that I got better over the years physically, but <laughs> you still never, never went the into Marines. the military. I know. I'm like, yeah. The guy's like, nope, we're good. I'm like, I didn't, even, I didn't even get past the desk, bro. I didn't even get past the conversation of uh-huh. joining the military. Didn't even fill out a paper. I really was so excited. Like, I, I was ready to go. Like, I, I had it all done and ready to go. Your yeah. ma. Yep. Your mom. And this is me. I feel like it, for me, I'm pretty sure it was the prayers of my grandfather because I had talked about it in high school and he had deterred me away from it. And then being in college, I didn't even talk to him about right. it until after the fact. And I told him like they they were not even interested. The army was not even mm-hmm. interested because of this. Um, and I'm pretty sure he rejoiced and was like, that was his prayers. Because, yep. yeah, he was like, you're, you're good. He's like, I just feel like the atmosphere of the army might have broke you. And I was like, it might have broke me in some good ways. <laughs> yeah. If, but, if I was, if I did go when I wanted to go, I might have been in Desert Storm and Desert Shield. Mm. Those were the the wars that were being fought at I that time. I probably just would have been way more crass at a younger age, which would have been <laughs> great for you versus you marrying like Holy Mary, Mother of right. Missions, <laughs> as you say, marrying Mother Teresa. Um, yep. which I was no Mother Teresa by any means. However, I was not as crass as and brazen as you are um, when we first met. But I'm also from the sticks of Tennessee where And you worked girls at just the Mother Teresa homes? I did work at Mother <laughs> Teresa homes. I did in, in India. Holy roller. Um, I know. I love it. I love it. And if I had my way, we obviously would be in India right now, um, which is quite another topic for another day, how I married an Indian <laughs> But I've yet to be able to get the Indian to go to India. That's yeah, another. That's I don't another. have anyone there. I have two uncles, and that's about it. You don't have to have anyone there. India is phenomenally amazing. Yeah, it is. The culture is great. The food is phenomenal. It's delicious. I have a lot of friends over there. Nothing. Funny you enough, get I have here. friends who've. Yes. Okay. Tell me that. Tell me that you've had papaya in the U.S. 
to the to the to the good level of that we, the papaya we've had in India. No, we get we get papayas here in the grocery store from Mexico, and they suck. Like we've bought them a few times; they're so nasty. Papaya in India, mm, mm, can't be beat. Mangoes in India. Just have to drive across the border and get some real papaya from Mexico. No, or I can just fly to India, and it's a great yeah, and spend a, two grand a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go there for a minute, babe, it could be, it could be, you know, I'm going to like take a minute and try to sell you on it still. Um, I actually spoke to a few colleagues from Bangalore about this idea and they're like, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> well, so our current issue that's going to come up on our conversation here is me trying to convince my husband that we need to go to India for six months um, just for cultural exchange for our kids because it would be so great for them. And he still has a home. His family has a home in India. And he could work, continue his normal job, and potentially work from there for six months. Um, And he is still biting the bit and not entertaining it. If you want cultural exchange, we could go to like Costa Rica or... They're not... (laughs) Our kids are Hispanic. Our kids are half Indian. (laughs) They're already listening to reggae. Yeah, no, our kids are half Indian. And I will add, they wanted to learn Hindi. And so I said the best and the easiest way to learn a language is to be there. Like half the, I only know the little bit of Malayalam that I know because I lived in Kerala for seven months. Mm -hmm. And I lived out in the middle of nowhere where nobody spoke a lick of English except the couple I lived with. So if I wanted to converse with anyone or wanted to actually feel like I knew what was going on in a room and just didn't feel completely lost. I had to pick up the language. And I love that idea for our kids. One, two, um, there's just areas of India that are so underdeveloped um, that you just can't find stuff like that in the U.S. And in my world, I'm like, I didn't see that side of the world until I was well over 18. And I remember thinking, I wish I would have known earlier Mm-hmm. Um, how other countries and other cultures live. Um, and I just feel like, like you, I would have like dreamed more. I would have saw outside of my little small town, right? you know, but I, I didn't. I was like, I mean, you know, I, I heard the classic lines of, if you don't eat your food, there's kids, starving kids in Africa. Like we would hear that, but like nobody ever really talked about other cultures or food or anything where I mm-hmm. lived. It was a really, really small country fishing town in Tennessee. Well, I, Grew up 10 years on a cow farm and then 10 years in a fishing town. So, like, both really small town. Um, yeah, so those cultures. So, while I wait, I try to immerse our children into other things. While I try to convince Ben that we should go there with our kids while they're young. And they would still enjoy it for some time. Um, did you tell your friends in Bangalore that you're not moving there permanently? You're just no, coming to I visit for a bit? It was like a, a year. And they were like, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, because they Especially all want to get out of there. COVID, they're well, like, they don't all- do it. They all just want to get out of there. That's why. They all want to get out and do something else. Well, we want to go there. Yeah, they're just like, it's just a mess here. It's all shutdowns. And like, Well, if you go to Bangalore, Bangalore's a mess. Bangalore's always India's, a mess. The I driving mean, of Bangalore even is horrible. Worse. <laughs> if you're in downtown Delhi, yes. If you're in the suburbs of Delhi, it's the same as here. None of us ever go down to Salt Lake City. Because why? Right. It's just a mess. Like traffic and people everywhere so we live 30 minutes south of salt lake city where it's a little bit more calm if they're not doing construction it's kind of bad but (laughs) anywho um okay 
uh, one of the final questions. In our 14 years of marriage, two kids, two dogs, two bunnies, what was six chickens? <laughs> We're down to three. Yeah. I will, uh, they're just getting old. <laughs> but, um, and three chickens at this point. Um, how do you think that we have navigated life? What would you give us on a scale of one to ten? For two people for trying to figure it out on our own, I think we've done pretty well. <laughs> uh, we moved out to Utah like a year after we got married. Two years after we got married. Um, no. Actually, four. Was it four? Yeah. Oh. No, I think of it because we've been here 10 years now. Right. We've been married 14. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. About three, three and a right. half, we could say. Uh, yeah. With, away from family, friends. We had no one when we moved to Utah. So we had to kind of figure out. I'd say that we secretly life. liked that. Yeah. We secretly liked and loved that in a mm -hmm. sense. The first little bit was shady. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think we've done really well. I mean, it hasn't always been perfect, and I know it's not always going to be perfect, but I think we found good community uh, mm -hmm. that have been that has been really helpful, uh, which is why we always bring up community <laughs> on true. the podcast because yeah. it's so important. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we've, we've done well and we're still trying to figure it out and yeah, make this work. Things yeah. we could do better for sure. There's times we could have done things differently or better. I know I could say that. There's I mean, times I, I think, could have done things differently I think we and better. could go buy some land and create a commune and <laughs> live away from everybody. Speaking of cults, that sounds very cultish, the way you commune. Oh my gosh, homestead, babe. Let's say homestead. Oh, there you go. Let's get a homestead with like-minded people. Don't say commune. That really sounds yeah. like Waco. Nudist colony. Yeah, that's a no. <laughs> that's a hard no. Yeah, that's going to be a pass. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that even within our, um, our church community, we have been a part of the connect team yeah. or the connect group where they're either hosting a connect and being part of a connect since the beginning that we moved out here. And I think that's just because, um, well, one, it was because we needed community. And then we started hosting and being right. connect host for the longest time is because we knew what it felt like to come out here and not know anybody and not right. have anything and just wanting people to feel like this is home. Um, I, for one, remember moving out here and our stuff was going to take like two weeks to get here. And we had an air mattress and a pack and play. And we had two mm -hmm. kids. The yep. girls were almost two and almost one. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we had come out over the weekend uh, a month or so prior. We had come out. We've purposefully came on a weekend so we could right. visit churches or church, one mm -hmm. church that one church. I had found online. <laughs> yeah. And we went and there was one person there, uh, Brooke Pierce, who was mm -hmm. so warm and welcoming and talking. And I remember getting back to New York and actually getting a card in the mail from her that said, it was so great to meet you. Mm -hmm. Would love to connect with you guys when you're out here, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Praying for your move and all that jazz. And I kept the card. And then mm -hmm. as we were coming out here, 
I told, I reached out to our text and was like, hey, is there anyone that could let us borrow a pack and play? Because we have one, but we need two and I don't mm-hmm. want to buy another one. Right. Um, we just need one until our, our stuff arrives, right. which can take up to two weeks. And so the day we arrived, Brooke showed that. up yep. at our at yeah. our little apartment with a pack and play and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that. Yeah. And so for me, that's yep. like, I want to be that to people who move into the city. Right. Because that's community. And I think for me, it goes back to, I always, anyone who's known me for an, any amount of time really, would know that when I moved away from home for the first time, I was interning, it was in Texas, and I called my Uncle David or no, I interned for two years, then I went off to college. And no one in my family at this point had really gone to college. I had a few cousins who had, um, who at the same time were pursuing going into college, but no one in my immediate, you know, none of my uncles and aunts, my dad's siblings, none of my mom's siblings, like nobody had gone to college. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything that we, that I even knew about. Um, so I went, here I am going to college. I didn't even know what a college credit was. They're like, you got to take 18 credits. What does that mean? What do you mean credits? Like I had to figure all these things out. So I remember calling my uncle and going, you know what? Okay, I'm done. Like, I'm good. This whole adulting thing, like I'm good. Can I just go back to being 12? Can I just get some Barbies again? That'd be great. (laughs) Um, You know, there's no one out here. My family's not here, et cetera, et cetera. And the words of my uncle David, wise man that he is, said, um, Amy, when you gave your heart to Jesus when you were 15, you inherited a family that's more numerous than the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. So you are surrounded by family. You just got to find them. Right. Yep. And it's like the greatest advice to give, you know, someone who's just on the brinks, you know, you're Mm -hmm. 18 and you're just branching out and away from family and all this stuff. Like instead of being like, yeah, you're right. Just come on home. You know, coming back home, mm-hmm. he could have easily like changed the course. He had such influence in my life. He could have changed the course of my life right there with, why don't you just try to find one back home that's closer to home and et cetera, et cetera. But no. And this is probably the Marine and him talking, right? Because mm-hmm. he was like, you have family everywhere. So you just have to find them. So suck it up. Stay where you are. Right. Pursue what God's telling you to do and and do it. And I feel like I've taken that with me everywhere because... Unlike Ben, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not so bad. Um, I did well throughout college. I did college, but I traveled a lot during college. So I traveled right. to several different countries, and I, um, I like to say I maximized my twenties. Like, so um, I, I did as well. You did go yeah, some places. I mean, I when I was in college, I had gone to London several times. I had gone to Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. and. Towards the tail end of college, I traveled to Trinidad quite a bit. Because you had a girlfriend there. Don't even play. (laughs) But, I mean, I traveled, right? And (laughs) I stayed with them, kind of learned the culture, learned the the, the language, the dialect, Hmm. uh, the food and all that stuff. And so it was cool. I did travel quite a bit. So you would love to do that for your kids while they're young? I traveled alone. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but you would love to introduce your kids to that and yeah. what you learned while they're young. I mean, yeah. I mean versus I, them like, doing it I by themselves. I wish I was, and, and, and again, if it was anyone else, if it was Pastor Matt or if it was 
Sean Whalen or anyone else, I'd be like, stop wishing and just do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but like, I love what the the littles are doing. Yeah. Right. It's pretty cool. Mm. I I wish I had the balls Drew does. <laughs> like I just yeah. It's it's it. pretty cool. Just uh, suck he, up your cojones and yeah. let's go, babe. <laughs> so <laughs> Ben is speaking of the littles. We have some friends who but Drew that's the thing, Drew. Well, it's kinda like you. You grew yeah. up in India. Drew grew up in Tokyo, Japan, and um right. they just moved out there for two years, just two years, um, right. to let their son go to finish out high school over there at the same high school that Drew graduated right. from. And so they've literally packed up their dogs and their son. Their daughter's here studying um, in college. And they moved out to Tokyo for two right. years. But he speaks the See, it's so many things that language. you already are, though, babe. Yeah. You already, you speak the language. Not Hindi. You, I'm, well, not Hindi. I'm figuring it out, but yeah. I know you speak, you could easily go to Bangalore and speak the language. I'll never forget last bunny trail is when the first time I did go to India with Ben after we were married. He went out there for work. I was six months pregnant and we were going to go visit his grandmother um, in Kerala hmm? and family in Kerala. And so he was so nervous about his Malayalam skills. Yeah, and was I like, was there with none of my family, just yeah. us. And, and so yeah. he's like, I have to do all the translating. Like, they're right. going to know, like, I'm a foreigner. And I don't know if I can speak it, like, locally and fluently and all stuff. And I'm thinking, his parents speak Malayalam in the house all the time. You right. should be so good. But the more he talked about it, the more I, nervous I got for him. <laughs> and I was like, are we going to be able to pull this off? Because, like, I can talk to kids in Malayalam, but I can't be talking to adults about stuff in Malayalam. Right. And then we get to Kerala, we get in a taxi, and this guy starts talking like he never left the land. <laughs> Not a single person said anything about an accent or anything whatsoever to right. him. He just, you spoke it so, it like just flew out of you so naturally. So I think you just doubt yourself. I mean, I can, yeah, I can deal with Malayalam. I can deal with Tamil, but I... Canada. I mean, even Canada, I can kind of pick it up if I went out there. But like restoration. Hindi, I never learned. I never yeah. learned Hindi. I know. So. And our girls, um, I, as the white woman of this couple, <laughs> like, again, this is not throwing you under the bus. Um, I do make it a point to try to celebrate Indian Independence Day right. every year. And well, so this year was the first time in August that the girls were like, we want to learn Hindi. So I got uh, Duolingo, Duolingo, right? Because we homeschool. So I purchased some Duolingo. And lo and behold, a freaking Duolingo doesn't start you with the dang alphabet. Like, I don't want to learn the freaking language. <laughs> like, I don't want to no, read it. No, you can learn the alphabet. It has. No, I know. Yeah. It was making me start with the alphabet. So I'm like, our kids are going to, they're going to, they're like 11 right. and 12. They're going to get so bored of this real easy to like, I don't want them to read it. I just want them to be able to have a communication type thing. So I was like, I just want right. them to like be able to speak Hindi. And that's honestly where my whole big shenanigans of us, me pushing Ben to get out of his comfort zone for a little bit, six months. And let the girls have a take at exploring India and seeing how much Hindi we could pick up by forcing right. ourselves really to go to North India. Because North India would be uncomfortable for the both for of, us. of us. Yeah, I mean, I think you more than me because I've been there like three mm -hmm. times and one of my bestest friends lives there. Right. And past, uh, her and her husband passed her there. He's Indian. She's American. Right. Um. But I have lots of friends who live in Delhi. So for me, it wouldn't be a hard change. It would just be like picking up where I left off in mm -hmm. a sense. But for you, it would be because you didn't grow up in that area right. and you don't naturally speak Hindi, nor do I. Um, but I have a lot of friends there. So it wouldn't mm -hmm. be too crazy. 
but a stretch for sure yeah, because Kerala in and in Bangalore are definitely our comfort zones right. of living and traveling. My first time in the, actually outside of Bangalore uh, or Kerala was in 2006 when I was in Delhi. Mm-hmm. So all of my life in India was spent in Bangalore and Kerala. Yeah. And those are beautiful places. Yeah. For sure. So to wrap up that com- that question of how have we navigated, um, I feel like we've not just like navigated marriage, but we've navigated culture really well. Yeah. Because my family was a huge culture change for you. Um in the sense of growing up in the U.S., we've you know told people. That story. Did we tell that story in the in one of the other podcasts? I think we've told the story of how we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. One of, of the very first podcasts we did of how we met. Yeah, but the culture with your family? Probably not. Yeah, that's, um, that's a story for another time. <laughs> yes. I would just say I came from, a, my family is like half and half. We've got half holy rollers and half partiers. Right. And... Ben has only grown up with holy rollers for the most part. Um, yeah. And it was not as as hard as I had always imagined in my mind. I'm like, no one is going to want to be a part of this crazy thing I call family. But he has embraced it more than anyone I could have ever imagined would embrace it. That said, though, like there are times that like the mindsets of people in my family mm-hmm. um, have confused you. Or you've been like, what in the world? Right. Um, and it's the same you know, the same for me. I feel like I had a little bit coming in, knowing through parents because I'd lived in India, I'd been mm-hmm. around Indians, et cetera, et cetera. But marrying into it is obviously more personal and, mm-hmm. and deeper. Whereas my relationship with Indians in general was as a deep friend, but also family, a little bit of family, but never like, never like married family. Like I'm stuck around with you for the rest of my life with me, mm-hmm. me blending in with, your family and I think we've done I think we've done a really good job of that I think we've done a good job in our little mixed culture family babe yes killing it killing it so we should uh, should probably that wraps it up that wraps up up. our three questions that we were given by the amazing John to uh, answer did we do episode 64 as well or just 63 (laughs) Ben was hoping for 69 (laughs) but we got 62 (laughs) just 62 just 62 episode 62 so we're gonna end episode 62 (laughs) post and personal with the Thomases uh yeah Uh, if we do episode 63 we can talk about Ben really wants to talk about how much he loves my family (laughs) the Uh, renegades of my family so yeah and yeah I thought I thought there might be more like shards of glass type of questions, but no, that was no, very was nice very, and gentle for you. Didn't even yeah. need Vaseline. Oh, so you're easing me into the Vaseline for the next exactly. episode. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Vaseline. That's nothing is more. Nothing says India more like Vaseline as well. Like it couldn't be like any other kind of lubricant. It's got to be Vaseline. Nice. All right, so we should uh, we should wrap we'll spare this John. up. Thank you guys for listening. You guys should go. Uh, like and share on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, all Google Play, all the platforms. Uh, yeah, we didn't do anything for. Go tell for John YouTube. that this is your favorite yes. ever and ever and ever. <laughs> and we may get to come back again. Maybe right. we'll go live from India in a few months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. We're out.